0: Watch a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my wonderful co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt?
1: Um, Today I made a sandwich, and I'd been into the sandwich, and I was having a really hard time chewing it, and then I realized I had just put a cheese slice in the sandwich without taking the wrapping <laughs> off of it.
0: I've done that. It is not fun.
1: (laughs) And I was like, why won't this chew? What? What am I doing wrong? And I realized, oh, yeah, that. (laughs) So that's how my day is going.
0: That's, uh, Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you struggled with the cheese slice today. Hopefully, hopefully today gets better from there on out. And I know it's going to get at least a little improved because we have some wonderful questions from our wonderful supporters out there. So, again, if better you unwrapped
1: these questions,
0: I, I did. I tried very hard to make sure that they were unwrapped from their cellophane. Uh, so if you have any questions that you want answered on the podcast, be sure that you send them into podcast at BlizzardWatch.com or be sure to send them in to us on our discord. Uh, we'll be more than happy to. Uh, answer anything you have at, uh, that makes sense. Without further ado, Akamagash Watchers. Are there currently any dead characters you'd like to see return to life come Shadowlands? This is a perfect time, if any, to give a character a second chance or finish an arc that was cut maybe too soon. Thanks, Goldgrip. I don't know. So we've talked a lot about who we want to see coming back uh, off and on. We've We've talked about that as a topic. But are there any arcs? or stories that you feel were left unfinished that Shadowlands could present an opportunity to to actually work through and complete. What do you think, Matt?
1: Well, I mean, it looks an awful lot like we're going to get more Vol'jin, even though he's dead. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't seem to be coming back from the dead. I think his being dead is part of the whole thing. Um, Spoilers, but at least one major lore figure shows up in Bastion. I've seen the guy. Yep, I've seen pictures uh, of the guy, too. I've literally seen him. I I just got to the point where where he was there.
0: He was, I I guess Uh, we should
1: preface that this might, this might
0: contain some spoilers. So, well, I'm
1: deliberately not saying who it is. So if you want to know, go look it up for somebody else. But honestly, this is one of the things I think about. And most of the time with characters, like here was my biggest problem with Vol'jin versus Varian. I thought it was weird that they both died at the same time. Obviously it was to clear the decks and, and make some changes. But Varian, as much as I felt like they could have done a lot more with him, his death felt like fitting. Like, yeah, that's I could see him going out that way. You know, the fact that he basically turned and sacrificed himself to get his men home, that he went out killing a giant freaking robot, you know, the, the, it felt, yeah, I can see it. Whereas with Volgin it was like he got stabbed in the back and then he was gone, and he barely got a chance to do anything as war chief. You know, so I always felt like, okay, uh, Vol'jin, we should get more because Volgin didn't didn't get his proper story. He didn't. We didn't get to see him in the in the role. Much the same way as I was, I was with, with Garage, I felt like I didn't like how Garage died. In that I didn't. I like. I felt like I should have been me and not not Thrall. But it felt like a you know, it was the end of Garage's story. It made sense that it ended there. There wasn't much else to do. Garrosh's life really ended at the end of Siege of Orgrimmar. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it was that sort was of like where just his son. That's where his story stopped. Everything else he did after was felt like an afterthought. It felt tacked on. And so I was okay with him dying when he did. Um, but I don't like. For, here's an example people often bring up to me: Tyrion Fordring. I feel like Tyrion. Tyrion should be dead. And I have no problem with him being dead, and I don't want to see any more of him. Not because he was bad. I didn't dislike Tyrion. I just feel complete. like, yeah, for God's sake, the man was old. He'd done everything. He, he, he you know he he sacri- he'd called out to the light for that final you know if let if this is the last time let you know please he did that. Um, he was basically at that point just waiting to die. It, it not not in a good way. I don't think like yeah, let's kill Tyrion. But you know his death felt. Like, okay, here it is. Um, to a certain degree, I feel that's why, why the light was like so vehement that when the, the Death Knights tried to go in and get his body to res him, it was like, no. No, he does not get up. He's done. He got his rest. You're going to leave him alone. And there's a lot of characters like that. I can't think of too many characters that I would want to see come back. Uh, Anduin Lothar? God, no. No. Why make him? What, what does he have to suffer through now? You know, can you imagine how confused Anduin Lothar would be with the world right now? Oh, geez, yeah. Yeah, and and trying to, like, understand it, not because he was, like, you know, slow-witted or anything, but because it's changed so much. The idea of the Horde not not murdering the Horde wholesale, that was a life-or-death battle for him. Like, the Horde came to his world and, you know, tried to steal it. There was no negotiating with them. Like, he's going to start now? I mean, he wouldn't even know what you were talking about. I, I do, I feel like a lot of characters, like, it, it just really, there's nobody out there I can think of who is dead, with two exceptions, and wh- one of those two exceptions is me being, you know, mean to people, quite frankly, it's just because I know it would freak them out, and the other is somebody who's actually dead but still moving in, in the story right now, because I've said from the beginning, I think Sylvanas Windrunner should come back to life, Yeah, like an I'm... actual living night, a living, you know, high elf,
0: yeah, I've been arguing for that since before this expansion, so I'm definitely on and the same the, page with you there. The
1: only punishment you could possibly levy against her. Oh yeah, like, you know,
0: force force her to actually live and feel.
1: Yeah, and cut her off from all the the things that you know are her support. Although she's done a great job of doing that herself, anyway. But uh, the only other one is Arthas. Yeah, and a living Arthas would be fascinating. Um. If Arthas... That's one of the things, like, is Arthas in the Maw right now? I would I would imagine he'd like, have to be, right? That's one of the things that's like, you know, technically speaking, Maldraxxus or Revendreth could both work for him. Especially since if you think Arthas's fall up to the point where he lost his soul, and thus you must consider him dead when his soul is lost. When he lost his soul, and therefore, assume, presumably when his soul was sent into the Shadowlands was well before his worst, you know, his worst... I almost said his worst hits. Like, you know, the Artist Minifil album <laughs> with your greatest hits, like, burning down Stratholme. But, I mean, you know, killing his father, destroying Lord Lordaeron, that's all after he lost his soul. Like, he took up the sword and his soul was destroyed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was sent to the Shadowlands.
0: Yeah, and you, you, you actually see that, too, if you go through and do, like, just the opening of Legion. They... they... Mm. You go after the Frost Swords. That's the first thing you see.
1: Yeah. So I, I don't know if Arthas, if he's in, you know, he could be in the mall, He could be in Revendreth. He could be in Meldraxus. I mean, he, he fits a lot of those things. The only place he doesn't fit is Bastion. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, there's other characters who are dead. There's quite a few other characters who are dead, but I don't miss them. And I don't mean that I don't didn't like them or that I'm happy they're dead but I don't feel like they got cheated out of their story. I felt like Illidan got cheated out of his story and then we got it. Yeah. So don't need him. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I really, I, there's nobody else out there. I can think of that. I'm upset. I mean, maybe you I, but you we know stuff is happening with you So
0: I, I was going to say, Sarah's on my list. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. But I, I agree for the, for you that the for the most part, I think that they've done a real good job. Of anybody who has deceased, their story is done. Um, I'm looking at a list of all of the the NPCs that have died since the game has started, and it is a big number, like a few hundred NPCs, like not not even just, like, ins- all of them insignificant. Like, you know, we're talking, like, Muru and, and named characters that have helped us at, at places. Not to
1: interrupt you, I do have to say this because at some point Annabelle might listen to this, and so I will say that Amber Kiernan got a raw deal. Sure. That's just because I don't want Anna to come to my house and, and like, beat <laughs> me with, like, some kind of light object. But, yeah, okay, so now going. But I think
0: that... <sighs> There are very few characters that feel that the story haven't reached a completion point. Volgen's sort of a given, and that's mostly because his story is still going, right? I do think that Ysera and I do agree that Arthas have a little bit more that could probably happen, or I would say probably should happen, to bring it to a, a close, especially with everything that's going on. And the, and the reason I'll lobby for Arthas on this one this is the perfect opportunity, right? This is the perfect opportunity to see his soul or, or spirit or anima and to interact with it and see what happened after. And I, I didn't really start thinking about this in particular until literally last night. I went back and started doing some of the Legion stuff for my Death Knight because it's cool, and I never got to experience the campaign fully. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just try again with this new Death Knight. I'll just start from the beginning and go through. And one of the first things I I've, we did is because I'm playing a Frost Death Knight is I went after the Frost artifacts because that's a thing you do. And it got me thinking, with Shadowlands coming what actually happened to arthas what actually is happening with his soul if his soul was already shattered from his body and sucked into frostmourne which is exactly what that scenario tells you and plays out well now that frostmourne is shattered and been reforged a couple different times where is he what happens to him what's going on with him does is he aware of everything he did and I'd love to see that sort of explored because Arthas was always an interesting character, not just as a vehicle for being the Death Knight, but because he was that perfect cross section of nobility, valor, and righteous stupidity. And it was this this mentality of I can always I'm always right I know what's best I know what I have to do to sacrifice I I'm the one making all these big sacrifices. And then everything happened. I'd love to see the aftermath of that, which we never really dealt with. We never really got. And especially with Jaina coming back now, with everything centering around the Lich King and the helm of of Domination being destroyed. I'd love to see that played out a little bit more. Ysera, I really think she got a raw deal. Because we just killed her. Like, we flat out, like, oh, she's corrupted. Yep, put her down. And we did. And then we saw her spirit in uh, the Emerald Dream at the end of the Emerald Nightmare Raid. But we know that there's more stuff going on with her, and we don't know what it is yet. We've seen an updated model for her. But I also think it's a good opportunity, because with the way that dragons were important at the end of Battle for Azeroth, and the potential for the dragons to be important again, seeing what happened with Ysera would be good which also leads us to maybe some of the other past aspects would be good to revisit where it happened to death soul. What happened to, uh, why can't I think of his name now? Maligo, not yeah, Maligos, Maligos, you know, what happened with them? Where are they? Where do they go? And I think, giving us that opportunity to see what happens to the dragons when they pass and how that affects things would be very, very cool. And I'd love to see sort of Ysera get her final moments where, you know, if she's not coming back in any capacity where she talks with her daughter or has those moments where she talks with us as the players. And I just want that feeling of completeness for those stories. But on the whole, I don't think anybody is really missing pieces anymore because most of those pieces have been filled in. The only other one I would throw out there would be Kane or Karen, excuse me. Having Karen uh come back to talk yeah, to you, Bane one last time, I think would be fine.
1: Okay. They've actually done that though. They've had Karen and Bane talk. They've actually had like they appeared Karen appeared to Bane in War Crimes. Yeah. And they had like a reason they had a conversation. I mean, I feel like at this point Karen gets dragged back more often than he needs to be. And Bane has moved on as a character to the point where he is a sufficient. I like Bane. I think he's a good leader. I
0: think he is too. Uh, I think he's better than his father was.
1: Um, man, don't 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 do that. <laughs> don't, don't don't. Why? Because man, I was an old school Torrent player. I loved I loved Karen. I loved Karen. died. When Karen died, I actually took my character that I was playing at the time to Thunderbluff the night before the patch was going to come out, and I left him there. And I've not played that character since. So fun. Fun fact, I, I, same
0: thing. So I because I originally started playing my my shaman was a toran when I very first started and when I found out, you know, that was going to happen, a bunch of horde players, friends of mine, we all went to uh, Thunder Bluff for the, what we called the last vigil. I think I have screenshots of it somewhere. And it was just tons of toran just hanging out paying homage. So yeah, I'm I'm there. Don't get me wrong, I love Kane or Karen, uh, but I think Bane is
1: I I'm not saying you're wrong. Character. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just, you know, man, don't, don't do that. That's just not, um, but yeah, I, <sighs> Bane had to grow. We got Karen at the end of his life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We didn't, we never saw the stuff Karen went through to get there. We didn't see his, his growing pains. We've seen Bane's growth process. Um, if anybody had the right to kill garage hell scream, it was Bane.
0: Yeah. That would have been, and,
1: and Bane didn't do it. He Bane deliberately said, "I'm not taking revenge. Revenge is not what I'm here for." So, uh, th- that's the thing. Is like, but for like a lot of characters, I mean, there are there are sub characters. Like, for instance, I brought up Amber Kiernan a little bit as a joke, but I think Anna's going to point in that Amber's death is mostly off screen and it's completely pointless. Yeah, and that kind of thing, I I don't like i don't like it when a character even if it's a minor character like amber was a minor character still deserved a better death than that um but there's no major lore figures in in wow that have died that i've thought i mean other than my selfish desire to see them again like i think i think varian is a great character and i very much miss him i've kind of changed a little bit on my thinking of anduin I think that he definitely needs to... I think he needs to change. He does. I think he he does too. But I've been more negative towards him than I think I currently am. I Uh, would agree. (laughs) You've definitely softened over the last several months at the very least. I think part of that is the simple fact that I've just come to accept that we're not going to get a resolution to what happened with Teldrassil anytime soon. It's just not going to happen. And so I've kind of like... If I was going to keep playing, I had to relax on that, so I I did. Um, this is not to say that I don't think that more could be done. I absolutely do think more could be done. But yeah, I don't. I can't think of anyone like. There's no there's no major Night Elf figure who died that I can think of that that should come back. The, they're all pretty much alive. That was the people of tildrossel who died, and that's not like you can't really bring that back as a as a group. Yeah. And so yeah, I don't really have, um, I don't really have a figure. Like, I guess ultimately what I'm saying is, and I've said it several times now is I don't want Shadowlands to bring back any of these characters. Um, I think that for the most part their stories ended and it's fine to see them come back because they're in the Shadowlands because they should be in the Shadowlands. That makes sense. Like, I think it would be pretty cool to see Foss again as a, you know, as his life, his unlife will be to see what happened to him when he died uh, I'm absolutely down for that. I'm down for, like, seeing the other characters that I know we're going to see. That's cool, but I don't want to see them then at the end. Oh, there is one. There's one character I think should come back. Okay. I just remembered that I said this before. Deathwing. Yeah. And I don't want him to come back as crazy cuckoo, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, nutty Deathwing. I want him to come back as Niltharian. You want him made whole. I, I don't I want him to come back as a sane character who I want to first off I want to see him in Shadowlands as a sane character who knows what happened to him, who's like yes they used me I understand you're afraid because here I am and I'm the terror of your heart but here I found peace. And at the end I want him to come back. I wouldn't even mind if Malagos came back. I definitely want Sarah to come back, if because I want the Dragon Flights to basically say f the dr f the Titans. We're coming back. We're going to protect Azeroth because it's our home too, not because some titans told us to do it. Because we're not letting our our entire be, our species get pushed into non existence because we're it's convenient. You know, I want to see. The, I think that the Shadowlands would be a good way to get the Dragonflights back up to full in time for the Dragon Isles expansion.
0: Yeah, I'd be I'd be down so. for that. Which is why I mentioned them earlier. Is I'd love to see. I'd love to see more about them in general. And I would be down for that to see them come back or brought back, or maybe that's what Rathion does during this, uh, during shadowlands. Maybe that's his ultimate goal. You know, he's been talking about making the, the dragon flights whole again, making the black dragon flight whole again. Well, even if
1: if they don't bring back, yeah, even if they don't bring back these characters, like having them be involved in shadowlands. So we get to see their dragon flights move on. Yep, that would still be cool. Like if Caligos can finally have a heart-to-heart with Malagos and finally be like, you know, I am the leader of my people. No more diffidence. If Melithra, you mentioned Melithra, right? Because you mentioned Sarah talking to her daughter. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so if Melithra can finally get past that feeling of inferiority, and if you know Deathwing could actually say to Rathion, you know, dial it back. Or- I know where. I know how we are. We're we're all like this. We're all in- we're, we're extra. Yeah, <laughs> I get it just a, a little just take it down a notch cuz that was what happened to me i was convinced i was right and i could do everything myself and everything was and step by step they led me you you need connections you need people you need friends and family and loved ones and you need that i didn't realize it until it was too late had i gone to my siblings and said you know i'm having trouble here they would have helped me and i didn't and this all happened you know learn from my
0: mistakes Well, the other thing I think we've talked about this before, the other reason I think it would be interesting, we talked about there being a mechanism to make a new aspect and what that was because or if there if it exists. And honestly, like I'd love to see that addressed here, too, because we have, quote unquote, aspects, but they're not aspects. We have people taking over the flights, but there has been no like succession of power, so to speak.
1: Because, well, because even the ones that are still alive, you know, like Caligo, not, there's Dormu and Ysera, not Ysera, uh, Alexstrasza, they're not Aspects anymore. But we, everybody's not an Aspect anymore. Well, the thing is, like, we
0: don't know what that even means. We've never known what that means. All we know known is that, oh... For, for Alex Strauss, an offhand comment of, well, now that our, our, our time's done, we can't have kids anymore. And and even then, that's, that's a, an interpretation of what was said, right? It's never been dealt with. It's never been dealt with what was actually spent, what was actually lost. And with everything that we've gone through over the last couple expansions... Like with everything that we learned in Legion about how you know the demons and the, the Titan engines and everything else were, were sort of quasi-working, which we still don't fully understand, but we have at least more of an idea. How does that how did that way back when play into the creation of the dragon flights, the aspects? Can is that something that can be redone? We now have like we, we literally just spent a good portion of this last part of the expansion pulling out knowledge the, the engine of Nalak Shah. Is that something we can leverage? Is that something that can then recharge them? Or is it something that they always still had the power, they just thought they were done, they were programmed to believe they were done? Like, there's so many things that could be cleared up and done with it, I'd love to see that addressed. And, and maybe we will, maybe we won't, but, or maybe I just really, really like dragons. Who knows? All right, our next one, we have a two-parter, and this comes from LD Soth on Cargath. Uh, First question. Last time on Lorewatch, you guys were talking about where we go after Shadowlands. I've had a thought of something that could happen in the future, though not necessarily immediately. The Old Gods originated from the Void flinging bits of itself throughout the material universe. What if it decided to do that again? The Void has vested interest in Azeroth and many agents on Azeroth as well as people it can communicate with, Illyria, Void Elves, and others. What if the Void had a purpose for the Old Gods, and now that we have "Quote unquote, beaten them. The void realizes its original pieces failed, so it tries to send more. I know people have been worried about all of our known threads ending in the past, but it feels like this would be a good way to tie something old with something new and go from there. Do you think we'll see some sort of second wave from the void that results in the new old god-like entities arriving? We'll do. we'll, We'll we'll go through this one first before we move on to the second part. So, what do you think? Do you think that we'll get more, more nope. voidy bits?
1: Nope, don't have to. They're because already we, out there in the universe. There's, yeah. there's a there. They span the universe as countless as the stars. They don't have to throw any more in here. Just because we got rid of a few on this planet doesn't mean that they're done. Far from it. Yeah, and far we far from it.
0: And I've brought up Crush a few few thousand times. I think at this point that's yeah. still out there too.
1: Koresh, uh, by the way, I want to have take some issue with you when you talk about that. You seem to connect Koresh with the world we saw when we were doing, um, oh, bloody heck, uh, the Nightwell raid. Right? Mm-hmm. The, the Astrom- there's no reason to believe that the world that we saw in the Astromanter encounter was Koresh. There's no dialogue that says it is, and there's no reason to think it is. Koresh is a different, completely, differently destroyed by the Void world so there's at least two of them out there and there's probably a there's probably more than two yeah way more because i mean again i'm, I'm i go back to the harbinger skyrus fight all the way back in mekinar that guy comes out and he's a he's a he's an a, a karaji he's not an akir he is a karaji prophet and he says we span the universe mm-hmm and no force has the power to make us bend our knee, not even the mighty legion. This is going back. This is a BC encounter. And keep in mind that in BC we also see the uh, the Sethek summoning something through a portal that is using the it's using the Cthulhu model. So it's entirely possible there are like there are void entities out there in the cosmos right now. All sorts of worlds, doing all sorts of things, things we wouldn't even recognize. The, you know the, the the whole thing that that cursed the Sethic, that created the wingless Arcoan? That's from them. Mm-hmm. That's from the entities that were being summoned through corrupting one of their gods. So, it is really not necessary. The void. I don't think the void threw bits of itself into our universe as a conscious decision. I think it did it as a spasm. Cause keep in mind that the light void balance has always been one where the void comes from eddies in the light and the void wants to return the entire cosmos to that place before the light existed sort of thing. It's one of those, we we tend to ascribe to thought what happens by existence. It's much like, you know, if an elephant steps on a beehive, it didn't step on the beehive thinking I hate bees. It stepped on a beehive, taking a step forward. I don't think that the void will ever throw more things into our universe because that's an immediate response. And I don't think the void thinks in our time terms, if it thinks at all. And it doesn't have to because it seeded the whole bloody universe. They're everywhere. They're all over the place. They're so widespread and so terrifying that a Titan decided he had to burn the whole universe down to get rid of them. Yeah, I definitely don't think we need to see more of them created that way. Yeah, And I tend to agree.
0: I think that there's so much out there that we still haven't dealt with. And the only reason that I keep bringing up Koresh is because it, with the frequency of which Ethereal seemed to be being brought back in, in some capacity, it mm, to me, it's the logical next step is that that's something we're going to deal with at some point, especially with like Locust Walker talking about, you know, the fall of his people and the, the whole the void thing there. I just make the the leap and I know that it's a leap that that's what we saw, but it could not be, but it is one of, like you said, multiple planets or celestial bodies or things out there that have been void touched. It could be, there's so many things that we haven't dealt with. So many things we haven't seen or, or, or really experienced. They don't have to create new horrors. We just haven't seen all the ones that have been there for eons yet. So maybe we'll wind up going to different planets or maybe we'll wind up uh, bouncing around the place. It's not like we haven't done it already. It's not like there isn't a, uh, a precedent for it already. I think that's more likely than seeing another wave of of old God uh, rising up from the void, sort of being thrown back in. The other thing, and this is something Matt said several times and I, I tend to agree with. We're also operating on the the idea that we have beaten the old gods. We haven't beaten anything. Like, this is... Titans couldn't defeat them. Titans couldn't kill them completely. What are we? So, I don't think that maybe we'll see a second wave of new ones. I think we might, if anything, at some point, find out more about what the ultimate plan was of these old gods, and maybe we'll have a second wave from them that we've already dealt with, because, again, they're not beaten. We didn't kill them, we just sort of did things, and it looks like we won, and that's it. Like even with Nazoth in the encounter, the the whole carapace of Nazoth cutscene, where you have Rathion stabbing Nazoth with Zalatath to try to suck his soul into him, and it doesn't even do the whole thing. You still have to go fight pieces of him because it can't contain all of it all of Nazoth is not defeated in that moment. Okay, if they're that vast and that powerful, have we really won? Have we really beaten anything? No, there'll probably be repercussions later, but that's how it usually goes with us. The second question, Matt mentioned last time the idea of an expansion where we just discover new planes of existence. We've also seen a future in the Anduin comic of the true end of the Burning Legion, and Anduin is very old there. And they are on what looks like to be the Exodar or some similar Eridar style ship. So, tinfoil hat theory, what if in the future Azeroth hatches and that is prompting for us to uh, go out into the universe? Magni gets a vision from Azeroth of its birth and Azeroth warns us it's coming so we can escape. This could be a bridge between Alliance and Horde. One, we need a new home if we are to survive. Two, Orcs and Drenai both have already been through the hole. We need a whole new home thing, and putting all of the Azerothian citizens through all of that could be a rallying point uh, that finally maybe bury the hatchet. Obviously, if azeroth has is an end to our planet, that would be a fundamental change to the world, even more extreme than the Cataclysm revamp. Do you think a change of this drastic nature would ever be implemented? How would you feel about a future version of WoW where, lore-wise, we can never go back? Obviously, they would have Azeroth be there in game for an, in an old-time capacity. So, yeah. Um, I think I know what you're going to say with this, but I'm going to let you go first anyway.
1: Okay, I'm going to say no, they're never going to do that. Um, because in a very real way, and I think WoW Classic of all things shows this, Azeroth is the main character of World of Warcraft. It is the title character of World of Warcraft. When you're talking about World of Warcraft, you are talking about Azeroth, the World of Warcraft. I don't think we know anything about what happens when a Titan develops. We first off don't know if they hatch. We have been assuming that they hatch, but we don't know that. We know that when they came to Azeroth... They felt that they were so large that they imperiled the world. Like they couldn't go in themselves and clean things up. Um, when Amanthul reached down to grab Yashaj, he used two fingers to do it. So it's quite possible that up until the point where they were destroyed fighting the Legion, that they were walking around in their planets, that their planets became their bodies. And thus, they had all the living things that they always had on them, much the same way that, I don't know if you know this, but you have literally trillions of bacteria living in you right now. Don't be alarmed. Yeah, living <laughs> in you and on you. You constantly do. Your gut is utterly full. You couldn't digest food without them. In fact, this is one reason why if you get really sick and throw up a lot, uh, and then afterwards you try and eat, often the food doesn't, You, what happens after is unpleasant because you got sick and you lost a lot of your gut flora, you're not digesting food as well. You've got them in your blood. Every one of your cells has a thing called a mitochondria in it, which is a passenger that you're, that our unicellular organism ancestors picked up. It's effectively another unicellular organism that you stuck inside your cells. Every one of the cells in your body has one. They're like little power generators. That's all they do. They just, they generate food for your cells that kind of interconnectedness is pro- is partially, it's possibly one of the reasons why we have to be involved in all this. That's the thing that you've seen from the beginning. This is not a situation that Azeroth is going to save us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it never has been. I don't think at any point Azeroth is going to to just wake up and save the day and become this Titan. That's the point. is It's up to us in our lifetime to do all this stuff. So that in an unimaginably distant future, possibly Azeroth could wake up. And it's even been said by people who were working on World of Warcraft, although it was not said in an official capacity, but it's been said that it's never going to happen, that Azeroth can't wake up. Now, do they mean that literally or do they mean that narratively? That's not clear. And in fact, the, the pains were made to say I'm not speaking on behalf of the World of Warcraft team. I'm just speculating but i think you have to look at it in the case of it's never going to be a game about planets waking up and fighting this is not an anime this is not the end of transformers where unicron gets his butt handed to him you know what i'm saying uh this is a this is a game about us it's going to stay on our scale things like that are the threats we have to deal with they're not they're they're not they're not protagonists
0: yeah and if you think about it too like you make a really 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 good point Uh, if the game becomes that big what's our point in being there what's the point of the player character we can't fight a planet we can't fight something that scale even if you look at the Argus encounter the Titans pull Argus into a manageable form they strip some of his power down and we finish it It's not we take him at full power. Sargeras, we don't even fight Sargeras. We punch his avatar, which has been hanging down in the, you know, the temple, the the Temple of Loon's basement for X number of years. And that's a shell. And then when we get to the final encounter, we don't do it. The Titans are the ones that grab him and imprison him. And we get sent back to the planet. We get sent back to Azeroth. So like it's it's a scale factor thing there I think, and that's fine. And I think that's where the heart of the game really lies is we can work alongside of those events. And, and this is something that I've always I've always I've talked about with like different books and stories throughout the years. Sometimes the main story is its own big thing that operates in its own timeline, but that doesn't take away from anything that's happening at the same time as it. Things that happened in parallel or in support of it. And that's sort of where we lay as far as player characters. Yes, we are the focus of our own story, and yes, that's where the game is going to be, but this whole overarching story of light versus void, while we are agents that operate within that context, that's a battle on a magnitude that we... We don't directly fight, right? We support that fight. We do things at a smaller scale that help that fight. We don't just go and punch the void ourselves. We punch agents of the void, or we do things to stop the flow of those agents of the void and whatever they would be doing that would essentially be doing the exact opposite of us. But yeah, no. Think I, of it I, this
1: way. Yeah, think of it this way. When we confronted one of the old gods, any one of them that we've confronted. It's usually at the end of an entire you know entire area that they control like like you know, C'thun, it's the the seized on Karaj with Yog-Saron it's it's Alduar. with Nizoth it's it's his um weird I, would that, I, would, I would argue
0: that I would argue Yog is the entirety of
1: Northrend. Yeah, but my point is just that they are smaller than the titans by orders of magnitude. They're there is they are to the Titans what, you know, diseases are to us. Their component parts are hard for them to even see. And when they tried to kill one, they just made things worse. This, it's not just scale. It's also scope. And keep in mind that we didn't... We've yet to actually successfully destroy a titan, an old god. You know, we haven't killed one of them. I mean, they, they keep going after they're dead. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see them. Uh, there's just... Yeah, like you brought up Choghal and, and Cthulhu. Yeah, you don't want to lose. You don't ever want to be the game where we just go from planet to planet, blowing up these things in our giant super ship, because that loses. There's a lot to be said for World of Warcraft as the game where you show up in an area and like, hey, can I help? And some of the times the things you're doing are like are pretty serious and and grim, and sometimes they're silly,
0: and sometimes that's fine. You dig
1: through poop. Yeah, I was, you know, I was wasn't gonna bring up a poop quest, but yeah, that's that's <laughs> certainly true. But there's like, I mean, I was just doing, I I was just leveling uh my light forge. I just got him to 120. Uh, please send gear. And uh, one of the things that happened, I was as I was playing him, was I noticed I'm doing stuff. Some of the some of the stuff I'm doing is like you know these evil witches are loose and I gotta stop them. But then I was like I I, I come upon this farm that's having trouble with like fungus monsters. It's completely unrelated to anything else I've been doing in the whole area of Drusvar. But it's a chunk of questing that I where I go and I help them. And I it's are the little are the fungus monsters really important in the grand scheme of things? No. But that's you don't want to lose that from the story. You don't want the lord of the game to lose those small moments. Cuz those small moments especially when you're, you know, since you're leveling solo most of the time, those small moments are important. The really big world-shaking stuff is for group play. It's the story of everyone. Everyone in Azeroth has a stake in this. It's everybody's story. But then your character has their small story bits. And sometimes there's stuff that goes from one to the other. Like if you're playing your Death Knight and you show up in Drustvar and then there's like a whole little quest thing about red dragons who are suspicious of you and think you might be out to desecrate the, the remains of one of their greatest and you're like, no, no, I only did that the one time. I don't, I don't go around desecrating corpses constantly. That'd be a lot of work. I mean, I mean it, only, only,
0: when, only when I'm told to do so by a guy that sits on a throne.
1: Only when I specifically am going get, to get our sweet ride out of it. That guy over there wants a sweet ride, but I already have a sweet ride. Why do I... I don't need to help him get a sweet ride. That's not my thing. Like, so there's a lot to it. And I think that there's a balance to be had between those really big, epic, world-shaking moments. If they blow up Azeroth, whether they blow it up so that Azeroth can become a Titan or not, if you remove Azeroth, you not only remove that world full of stories that has, you know, kept people ent- entertained and invested for, like, 16 years now and more because like it, it, all the Warcraft games before it, you prevent those any new stories of those type ever being told again because now everything's a battle for survival. There's no goofy little quest where I fight mushroom people. There's no weird little horde quest where a talking raptor is trying to get you to do stuff. There's, there's just the big epic story of our race of all of our people fighting for survival. There's a reason you don't want to like, there's, there's a, there's a balance between changing things and you know, actually making them gone that I think, I think shadowlands in a way is about that.
0: I think so too. Yeah.
1: It's, it's about that idea of, you know, the, the legacy of things from the past that, you know, so just because something is over doesn't mean it's dead. So I don't think they're ever going to do that straight up. I don't think they're ever going to blow up Azeroth and have us wandering the universe looking for a new place to live.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely tend to agree with that. I don't think, I don't think we're ever going to get to that point. And like you said, while nothing has really been said in an official capacity, I I really do believe that we're never going to see a moment where Azeroth wakes up because it sort of defeats kind of that purpose. And if you want to really take it back and take a look at battle for Azeroth, if nothing else, you can look at the time and Legion at the end when that sword got stabbed into her, to Azeroth and everything that's happened with the gathering of Azeroth and, and essentially stealing her power of other ways that were just keeping the Titan asleep, keeping the Titan in hibernation for as long as the story demands it. If anything, the day that Azeroth wakes up is the day the servers go dark, like, that's the only way I see that happening is a amazing cinematic by Terran from Terran Gregory and team that that's the end thing. That's the last thing we see when World of Warcraft has reached its point where nobody's playing anymore and they want to do one final event. Kind of like what happened with with uh, the original Star Wars uh, uh, Galaxy Online. So I agree. I don't think we're going to have. That moment where we're looking for a new home to survive. There may be moments where we go to other planes of existence to do something specific, or we may go to another planet to do something specific, but it's not going to be quite like you're describing here, I don't think. It's not going to be that big, uh, and it's not going to be that permanent. We're always going to return back home, and I really think Rossi has a fantastic point. At the end of the day, we're heroes. And if you look back at at classic WoW, if you look back at the quests and stories over the years, a lot of those stories, even recently, were helping individuals. We're being heroes, not just as somebody in a war. We're being heroes to this farm, to this family, to this community. We're doing the things that they can't do. You know, yeah, we fight old gods and we, you know, wield powerful magics and have had ancient artifacts, but sometimes somebody still has to go deal with the quill you know, somebody still has to deal with the, the marauding centaurs that are destroying everything around them. Like these things still have to be handled and they're just as important because without us dealing with that, life doesn't continue for those NPCs, for those, those communities, for those characters that are being affected by it. And if you take that away from the game, I feel that the game loses a little bit of its heart because that's sort of like the classic fantasy thing. I don't ever want to see that go away. All right. Uh, Our next one comes from Dirges, a torn druid uh, from Silvermoon. Hi, guys. It's been a few months since I've played WoW or Final Fantasy XIV, but I wanted to bring up a couple things. I know Joe has talked about Final, Final, Final Fantasy XIV in the past, and I wanted to get his opinion on uh, Emmett Selch as a bad guy, if you've played through the whole story, and how you would rate him in comparison to WoW villains. For me, he's probably one of the v- best villains I've seen in any game. Um, I actually haven't gotten uh, through that far into the game, so I really can't answer uh, as far as comparatively, uh, as far as that goes. But I will say that I think some of the bad guys in WoW, I don't... (laughs) I think other games are hard-pressed to create such villains that are either uh, equally as, uh, as, as lovable and hateful at the same time. Like, Garrosh is a perfect example for me. I love him and hate him all at the same time. I don't feel like that about many other villains from many other games. So I'll let you know when I get to get to that section. Uh, I'm still working my way through and uh, still learning all about the Asians and, and all that stuff. So I know that he's important in that, but not quite uh, not quite the full thing yet. Uh, the second part of Dirge's question. You guys were talking about Exile's reach in Shadowlands having a training dungeon in Final Fantasy 14 Shadowbringers. Uh, there is the trust system where you can run a dungeon with main story NPCs from that dungeon zone. They did this to make solo content easier to complete as their dungeons are required as part of the main quest line. Do you think Blizzard is sort of trialing this in Exile's reach to perhaps bring in something similar? Uh, love the show. Thanks for making co- uh, confinement easier.
1: I don't I know. I mean, if- I know that Blizzard plays other games. Oh um, yeah. I know at least some people at Blizzard play Final Fantasy 14. Um, that's just a fact. It's not. This is not new to Final Fantasy XIV. By the way, no. City of Heroes had this. City Heroes
0: absolutely did this.
1: Yeah. So that that game came out in two thousand four. And um, that it game just... actually no, it was a little before. Wasn't it a little before Wow? Nope. Uh, yeah. No,
0: it was two months before Wow. It was yeah. literally two months before Wow came live. And it does so help that a couple of the developers from City of Heroes do work on uh, work on on Wow. Just going to throw that out there.
1: Yeah. I mean. It's it, this is not a new idea. It's it's something that's been discussed before. Um, I don't know if Blizzard is going to do it with other stuff. I don't think so because I think they definitely see this as just so you get a you get a taste of how it's supposed to go. Um, I don't think we're going to get to the point where you're like at level like sixty, running end game content with like you know a NPC tank. Um, I know a lot of people would like that, and quite frankly, you're all bad people. For trying to make tanks lose their jobs. <laughs> well,
0: what if you are a tank?
1: I'd, then I will tank the dungeon. What's the problem? I <laughs> Oh no, I should totally be able to get a group of NPC DPS. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that's. But but I've already put, made the point that that DPS are bad people. I just want to make sure I get that hammered in. <laughs> You're bad people. I'm I'm gonna get so many de- I'm gonna get death threats. You know, if you f- if
0: you have strong feelings about this, make sure you send those in to the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am kidding, but now my serious point: I don't think Blizzard wants to make it so that you don't have to get a group to do this stuff, and I don't think they want to make it so you can get, you know, reliable NPC healers. Look look at everything they've ever done with an NPC healer. Look at, like the you know the what, the the trial. I want to say the trial grounds, the proving grounds. What was it called? Proving. You grounds. You remember back? Yeah, yeah. You, you remember where you'd have to go and you'd have the healer. Mage tower. Those-, Those healers were garbage. Any content I've ever done where there's an NPC healer, the healer has been very bad. Um, so I don't I don't think that's something Blizzard's is going to do, but I do understand why you're asking about it. I I do think to a certain degree there's the constant push and pull between. This is really not a lore question, but um, there's a constant push and pull between storytelling and making content accessible to everyone. You want to have the story be there for everybody. You want to let everyone see it. But at the same time, you also want to have stuff that's self-contained. Like you want to have a dungeon that the story of the dungeon is self-contained, but it, you also want it to be part of the zone or it's in. They've done that hundreds, like, dozens of times now. Oh, yeah. And it's always been kind of an issue uh, One that really comes to mind for me as like a really good exemplar of this is uh, the Ravencrest stuff in, in Legion when you're you're doing the area around we forget how big the legion zones were and they were pretty big and uh, the, 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 the Ravencrest uh, area with with Maiev and Jared and you do that and you get to the end and then you, the dungeon is like at the very end of it and you, you then run the dungeon and it's part of the story of the whole thing, but they had to make it. So the story ended before you actually go into the dungeon because you, you know, the the story up till that point is just you, it's you and them running around. And then suddenly you now need a group of like four other people to see how the, 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 what was really going on inside, you know, the Ravencrest area. And it's, It is always going to be one of those situations where it's like, you know, if we just make it so you can solo this or it's a scenario, then it's not really a five-man dungeon anymore and nobody's going to want to run it as a five-man. Like, I do think there's a certain amount of push-pull between what you want to do as a storyteller and what you want to do for gameplay. And I think that having too much of this accessibility for, like, you know, you can just run everything solo... I mean, is there is there a nice way to say if I could run everything solo, I would never bother with groups? No. And that's not because there aren't good people running groups, but I will never forget the dungeon where the tank had a macro that said racist things every time he threw his shield. And I'm talking some really racist things. And, I mean, I, I, I was like, F this, you're a jackass, and drop the group. But then I had to now, now I had to go and either tank that dungeon myself or wait for my, my cooldown to, you know, and either way, I had to wait for my, my deserter cooldown. I got the deserter cooldown because I dropped group with a racist tank, you know. So that, that tank, by the way, that guy you can totally get robots to replace. Um, I, I do think that there's always going to be a storytelling problem here in that group content needs to have a compelling story but it also needs to be group content. You you can't make group content and then make, if you make it accessible as a single player experience, that's what it will become.
0: I, I understand where the concern comes from, from both sides on this one. And this is a conversation I've had with a few of my friends uh, rather frequently. I do have a friend who, who plays this game uh, very much solo and still wants to experience a bunch of the story and I think this was more of a problem I wanna say up through Wrath of the Lich King because the dungeons and raids were all intricately like they were tied to the story. Now it's sort of been pulled back where the major story elements aren't necessarily in the raids anymore. They're 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 in dungeons and, and there is definitely stuff there. And I think that it's become a little more accessible in that regard. Like you don't have to get a raid together to go experience the story or to deal with, you know, LFR. And even if you do deal with LFR, you know, you get this opportunity to see the cutscenes and see those moments. And it's not necessarily about the fight themselves anymore. Like it used to be. And I think that sort of opened that up as much as it can be. I do I don't mind the idea of looking at a system that helps fill gaps when things are certainly uh, weird times. Because I know there are also people that play at like you know odd hours and there aren't groups around. And even though they've made some some adjustments to that, um, it still can be bad sometimes, right? Like it's still gonna be those moments where
1: you're waiting for. I'm a gonna group. be a problem with you, man. I gotta say this. My best groups have been playing at odd hours where there's nobody awake. Like, that's when... All right, I'm just going to have to kiss your butts, Australians. That's when the Australians and New Zealanders are playing. And I'm sorry. They're better. They're nicer. They know what they're doing. They don't talk a lot. They don't expect me to talk a lot. I, if I run LFD, when I run LFD as a tank, because that's usually when I do it, I have only one thing I want from my groups. Don't expect me to talk. I'm not gonna, I have nothing to say. I want to do the dungeon and leave. It's not that I'm not friendly. I'm not friendly, but that's not what it is. I have specific social anxiety issues. I can do the job of tanking. I can do it pretty well. I can't do the job of tanking and the job of making you feel good about things. I have to focus really intensely on what I'm doing. It is just a quirk of the way my brain works. And I think it happens with a lot of players. A lot of players, I, I do think this, this speaks to a certain play experience. It's not the the socializing in WoW is real socializing. It's real. You are socializing with people. Not everybody is good at that. I'm terrible at socializing with people. I I may sound extroverted here because here I am leaping in and interrupting Joe like some kind of jackass. But I'm not like this in real life. Like I have a very hard time interacting with people. And that's why LFD terrified me when it came out. Because suddenly I had to like... you know, When I was doing dungeon groups mostly with just my guild, I only had to socialize with people I already kind of had socialized with. Now I suddenly have to socialize with everybody. So for me, I love late groups. I love them. I think they're awesome. But I get what you're saying about how for other people it's pain because they can't really get a group. They have to wait too long. And I do think absolutely this is... This is the problem with the DPS tank healer imbalance that WoW has had forever. And I mean, we're well, we are way out of the lore thing here, but. Well, and yeah, I, kind of,
0: I was kind of, I was kind of kind of getting to that point when bringing it back to the lore thing is more, as long as they continue to make the story accessible in some manner, then everything else becomes a mechanics thing. So if they look at ways to allow players to experience the story, if they can't or, or, aren't up to doing a group or they have those odd play hours, then I'm okay. It's if story continues to be locked behind uh, group content that players may not be able to get to, especially now that we have such divisions of the uh, server groups so that like when I'm playing at three o'clock in the morning uh, in North America, I don't necessarily get, you know, Australian players because they don't play on the North American servers. They play on the oceanic servers at least now no, no, man they they still do they're still there
1: my my dpsqs say otherwise but if the DPSQs they there's messed up for a completely different <laughs> reason wow we we have to move on to another question because this this will eat the show and it's not it's it, a lore show we it will i
0: fine. just want the i just want uh, the, the point is i just want them to make sure that players can access the story and they've had some interesting vehicles to do that in the past with like the what was the name of that fountain that was in like the middle of the dollar and that let you see the entire scenario or the entire I don't, I don't remember
1: if, if it had a specific name, it was like Tyrion Ford Ring statue and everything. It was, it was, it was interesting as people pointed out. Tyrion, the last thing that boulevard says to Tyrion is, Let my name be forgotten. And the first thing Tyrion does is build a giant gold statue of himself that well, plays yeah. out what happened. Obviously, that doesn't actually do that, but it was funny. It's much of the same as when Tyrion decided to have his great big, uh, his big t- tournament in ice, you know, in Ice Crown Citadel, like right next to Ice Crown Citadel, and he's like, like "Let let Azeroth's greatest warriors come here and then fight each other." It's like Tyrion, man, how are you going to get them to show up? I will offer them pets. Like, yeah, they'll they'll murder each other for pets. Absolutely, you're totally right.
0: All right, well, let's get to our last question here while we still have some time. Uh, hello, Blizzard Watch. I have a question on how you organize the expansions and games of Warcraft. The recent uh, trend of having narrative points, of the end of one expansion having some tie into the next, had me thinking how some themes actually grouped many of the earlier expansions and games together in a similar way. I came around to mentally creating these groups so far. Warcraft 1 and 2, they set up the base world and concept of Warcraft with a notable character here and there, uh, personally called the Classic Saga. Warcraft 3 sets up the world as to how it should start out in World of Warcraft and creates an idea of a greater world beyond orcs and humans fighting. Uh, Vanilla Burning Crusade and Wrath of the Lich King, these uh, expansions set around the people of Azeroth and coming to grips with what happened in the Third War. Cataclysm, Azeroth may be done with Arthas, but Deathwing's destruction started to make clear that nothing is ever stagnant, which renews old conflicts based on the decisions made previous. Mists of Pandaria, Warlords of Draenor, and Legion? Question mark. A desire for final resolution to the factions' conflicts, uh, faction conflict leads to Rathian unintentionally paving the way for the Legion's return. Legion was tied to Warlords of Draenor narratively, but it feels that themes are separate enough that where it could. Be like cataclysm and on its own i was going to wait until the expansion after shadowlands to make any final call for legion and see where battle for azeroth is i was wondering what sort of grouping you guys generally would think of when it comes to war when it comes to warcraft thanks for all the discussion you have uh necrosis of coral straws i don't know what do you think do you think that do you think that there are groupings or do you think that everything stays con- continuous throughout
1: i mean this is this is an artificial thing that he's doing just to make it it's for him, which is fine. Uh, He's putting out themes that he sees and so forth. I would argue that Warcraft 1 through... The the Warcraft RTS games are all of a piece. And keep in mind, again, I want to stress this. This is an artificial series of distinctions I'm making for my own ease of use. This is not... I'm not intending to to argue this is how anyone else should do this. But I would argue that the Warcraft RTS games all kind of form a continuum. That they are going from Smallest scale to largest scale on Azeroth. Like you start off in one human kingdom. And the orcs come through in that one kingdom. And that's the story of the first game. Then it it expands out to all the the human kingdoms and some non-human kingdoms. Like the, the dwarves and elves and gnomes. Getting involved as the orcs push out and as they destroy Stormwind. Now it's all these nations coming together to try and fight back the the, the Orc onslaught, to try and save their world from invasion. Third game is, okay, that happened, now what? And it shows that the forces that were behind everything that happened in the first game are far from gone. Like, sure, the Orcs aren't the threat they used to be, but that's because the the beings that made the Orcs the threat they were were, have decided to take a personal hand and now the orcs have to decide who are we going to be now that we're not we're not these bloodthirsty tools anymore what kind of people are we going to be and they find other people who have been pushed to the margins at the same time the trolls the tauren, that's that's the big message we you have the forsaken get created and that's very much the legacy of of the legion so you get that ha- that happens as well you, you were introduced to the Night Elves, and you find out that the entire Elven history that you knew was just just like the last chapter in a much longer story. There's a lot of expansion in, in Warcraft 3, but it's very much of a piece with Warcraft 1 and 2. It's very much, this is this world. This is, this is Azeroth. This is the world that we're fighting over. This is the war we're having. And the end of it, in a way, there's the biggest dropped ball, I think, in the history of Warcraft is that the message of the end of Warcraft 3 was abandoned. Because the message of the end of Warcraft 3 is, we can't keep doing this. You know? Imagine the world where we come into World of Warcraft and it's humans, orcs, elves, you know, tauren, trolls, all fighting together to try and defeat, you know, the forces that threaten their planet. Because that's where we were left at the end of of Warcraft 3. That's the message at the end of Warcraft Three. We all have to come together. We all have to fight, and that's not what. So that's not what World of Warcraft is. So I put those three games together. They're all together. They're over here, and very much the story that starts in the first game is the story at the is the story of the, the end of the third game, complete with Medivh returning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it it is in very in a very real way, the story of Medivh's hubris. It's it's all about what he has wrought. With other characters as well, you could you could also make it the story of just how incredibly freaking evil um, Guldon is, and you would not be far off. Uh, but you know, there's there's characters who who pop up through all that. Uh, Nirzul becomes the Lich King, so forth, so on. That's to me, that's that's a story block. That's like if you were considering this like movies, that that'd be the, the original trilogy, right there. You come to like, there's also a lot of source material that isn't games that we have to keep in mind. For instance, there's the Lord of the clans rise of the horde books, which definitely bridge the original games to the, to the later stuff, to the, to the, later world of Warcraft. And those, those various novels, like the last guardian by Jeff Grubb, these novels have to be kept in mind when talking about, cause they, they form like the day of the dragon book, uh, last guardian, the, the, especially Lord of the clans and uh, rise of the clans. These books form a bridge that that lets you go from the original to the later stuff. Um, They're definitely like a path one walks over to get there. World of Warcraft itself, the original classic World of Warcraft, is by itself. And I don't group any expansions with it. Because it is an approach to the storytelling of World of Warcraft that has never happened again. There is no final villain in the original world of Warcraft, there's no end. Like it keeps every, every patch comes out and suddenly whole new threats are there. Every patch is effectively an expansion. Like think about you, you start off the, the first before, before the first real big coming in of stuff, you've got, you know, you've got Molten core, you've got a out in the swamps, you've got various dungeons and so forth. And that's like, that's end game is Molten Core and anyxia. And they, they're just, they're teases. They're hinting at what's to come. Blackwing lair drops, and suddenly, like, you've got this huge new threat, the tying in the Black Dragonflight, and in his whole idea for a Chromatic Dragonflight, and that's right there. Then you have, after that, you've got Ankaraj. And, Zol, you know, Zul'Gurub drops, I think, before that. Zul'Gurub drops, and that's got, like, the it's got, you know, the story of Hakkar, which ties into stuff that's in the game. And then the dragons of nightmare show up as a prelude. And then we have on after that. And these things all kind of flow into each other and very much to me, world of Warcraft, the original world of Warcraft feels completely like it is a thing that is here and it doesn't connect thematically to the rest of the stuff because burning crusade comes out. And burning crusade is a huge callback to Warcraft three and specifically a callback to all the stuff with Illidan and Kalphas and Lady Vash, so it's it's a callback to the first World of Warcraft expansion. You know, because that wasn't that wasn't the end of the game. The, we forget that World of Warcraft you know had expansions. It had the Frozen Throne. It, it had stuff come out after the initial campaigns. So that's what Burning Crusade feels like to me. It feels like Burning Crusade and Wrath of the Lich King are tied together, and that they're there are two sides. They're like the two, the legacies of the Warcraft three expansions in expansions to world of Warcraft. Then I would say cataclysm and Mr. Pandaria come together in a similar way to me where you've got BC and wrath are both the, the legacy of what had happened in previous stuff. Cataclysm is like, Oh, did you forget me? And with, with Deathwing. That's Deathwing reminding us, oh, before you ever even heard of that Arthas Menethil kid, I was the scariest thing in World of Warcraft. And this is why. I was the scariest thing in, in, in Warcraft, I should say, not World of Warcraft. But and he comes back and he is the scariest thing. Arthas might have turned the world into like a float a floating planet full of corpses, but Deathwing might just destroy it. Straight up destroy it. To this day, no other servant of the old gods has ever been as scary as Deathwing was. The problem with Deathwing wasn't that he wasn't scary and terrifying. It was that they forgot to let him have his personality. Yeah. And that's that's another issue. But they, they presented only the kaiju and very little of the Machiavellian schemer. We didn't get the guy who almost got them to give him rulership of, of Alterac. He almost, like, they almost married Caliumenethil off to this guy. And they, we didn't get to see any of that guy. And that was a shame. But I think Cataclysm and Mists of Pandaria are, very, are, are of a piece, and they're, they're like, this is the world being broken. This is the result of the world being broken. The whole thing with Garrosh, the whole thing with finding Pandaria, the whole thing with fighting over resources, that's the result of, and that it that goes back to Burning Crusade. When you Did you have the Burning Crusade, our, our book? Yep. Did, did you ever read the thing about Zaxxas in it? A uh, long time ago. The whole point is that one of the things Deathwing liked to do was create resource shortages. Yeah, and then he would he would take down natural barriers to allow people who were in conflict to, to fight. He liked this. Everything that's been going on since cataclysm—that's he did cataclysm to cause this. The whole bit with the horde and alliance fighting over resources—that's exactly up Deathwing's. You know, even with even defeated, that's exactly what Deathwing wanted. That's the kind of thing Deathwing did. So that's why, to me, Mister Pandaria and cataclysm go together. And then I go with. I think Warlords of Draenor leads right into Legion, leads right into Battle for Azeroth, and I think that's that's the way they're going to be going from now on where every expansion kind of follows hard upon the one before it. And in a way, they feel like classic World of Warcraft did to me in that each one is connected to what's going on. So, Warlords of Draenor at first, I mean, it had some serious problems as a story as a story device Warlords of Draenor had some significant issues. I think that's fair to say. But if without Warlords of Draenor, you don't get Legion. Without Legion, we none of the stuff happening in Battle for Azeroth right now would make any sense. And all of those things happen hard upon each other in much the same way that Molten Core and Anyxia led straight into Blackwing Lair, led straight into... Zul'Gurub which led straight into the Dragons of Nightmare which led straight and it led straight into the Dragons of Nightmare in that the Dragons of Nightmare were directly related to Aranicus, who was directly related to the corruption from Hakkar. We forget that. That stuff is all connected. And that's what warlords of Draenor to Battle for Azeroth feels like to me. So in a way it feels like instead of expansions they feel like patches to a big game the way that we got in classic. Yeah,
0: that's that's more how I feel about things. Like I haven't really, I don't group the expansions, and the reason that I don't group the expansions, uh, and the and the classic game is very simple. I look at Warcraft one, two, and three as like, I don't want to say baby's first D and D game, but it's almost like this self contained, uh, campaign where everything that happens feeds from a very, very distinct starting point and has a very distinct end point, and then that's it. It's completely contained. Um, I really do feel like that with with Warcraft 1, 2, and 3, as well as the Frozen Throne expansion. What World of Warcraft has always felt like for me is when you dust off that old campaign that you ran once upon a time and revisit it and make it better. So it's like... it it feels like the first game I ran as like a teenager versus the game that I ran as an adult after years of experience. And everything that happened from classic on has been interwoven into the next steps. Whether you think about that or not, everything feeds into something else. Everything feeds into the next threat. Everything is something. So I, like, while there are things that tie up, it feels like Yes, a single plot point is being tied up, but how many of these branches, and we talked about this before, how many different plot seeds, how many different lore seeds have been planted throughout the years, and we're still dealing with it, and it's stuff that hasn't happened previously, it's stuff that happened in-game, or has happened in, like you said, the different books that are take place in that sort of time between games that act as sort of that glue it's all encompassed together as far as I'm concerned into one giant campaign. So I don't really divide them out. I, I think like that, I can understand why people would, and you can kind of group them into story arcs. Yeah. Um, see,
1: I use, I, like I said before, when we started this, it's completely artificial. And for me, it's a tool. Yeah. It's to help me think about how the themes developed. I really feel like the themes developed in a specific way for the first three games that they didn't develop in later games. And that's why I find it useful to break them up the way I do. And that's it is. It is totally, this is just people, people do this with everything. People like to organize and find patterns, even when the patterns aren't intended, or maybe not even what the people doing it had in mind. It's just what happens. And if that's how you want to, if you want to organize it differently, don't let us stop you. Like that's absolutely something you can do with any media if it helps you to think about if it helps you to think of like for instance, use star Wars as an example, if instead of thinking about it in the way that, that Lucas does, if instead you like to think about it in terms of like, you know, in groups of movie dyads, that's fine. You can do that. No one's stopping you. Um, so please keep that in mind.
0: Yeah. We're not, we're not telling you that it's wrong. I'm not trying to tell you that, that what you're saying or, or you're going through is, is, is not the right way. As long as it's right for you, that's all that matters. It's, my comments are basically just the way I look at it, right? Like, Yeah, and, and just, it, that, I just keep that in it, mind, that's
1: all. Yeah, absolutely. You should always keep in mind with stuff like this. It's completely subjective. You should always be aware. You should be aware you're doing it, and that's fine. You you know, like I said, when I do it, I do it because it's useful to me, but I am aware that I'm doing it. I'm, impl- I'm imposing this on there because I see patterns that I like to think about and connect together. Um, but, I mean... I've seen people who honestly think that literally – and I, there's a case to be made for this. The, the ones grouped together are the Burning Crusade and Legion. And that yeah. Shadowlands is very much going to be like Wrath of the Lich King 2.0. And I understand why people are saying that. I don't think of them that way, but I get the connective tissue between them. There, There is – it's almost like a refrain in music. Mm-hmm. Where you hear the same themes are being played but differently no i I agree absolutely
0: uh but I think that's gonna do it unless you have anything else you want to add Have I
1: not talked enough <laughs>
0: Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad-free site experience. Thank you very much, folks. We'll see you next week.